cups. All right, so that's all my announcements. I want to get into it now. I'm running short on time. Uh, I'm going to go back. I, wanna, I want some of you that were here, and I know some of you weren't. I'll give you a, just a little connection. Two weeks ago when Kevin shared, uh, if you'll remember, he, uh, he did a message basically dealing with believing what God says about you more than maybe what the world around says about you or even sometimes maybe what you say about yourself. And you know how it is. Sometimes we have those kind of labels pinned on us. You're this, you're that, you're whatever. And I'm not going to name all those because I, you know, but God sees us completely differently. And you remember he showed some of the clips from that Penelope movie, the girl that had the pig nose and, you know, but God, it's just, it's, it's really just the idea that God sees us differently. And, and, and he sees us as something precious and beautiful. And I want to follow up on that today. The title of my message is Becoming Something Beautiful. And so uh, I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 13. If you want to turn there with me, you can. I will have the, uh, the text up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But uh, if you'd like to read on your own, you can. But let me pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll get into it, okay? Lord, thank you for today and just a beautiful, beautiful day to worship you and for your, your church, your family. Uh, I pray that today you would help us to see uh, ourselves a little more as you do. In your name we pray, amen. All right, I'm going to begin at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to look at several passages all in the same chapter, but I want to read this first little bit and then talk about it. It says, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large, large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So, Jesus is uh, attracting attention. People are hearing about him. I think at this point, as much a curiosity as anything else. Just what is this thing? Who is this guy? What's he about? So the crowds are coming. If you've ever been in a situation like that, the crowds, you know, fill in so he doesn't got any room so he gets in a boat goes offshore he's just there and you can kind of picture that a little bit it's kind of cool he tells him uh, a parable it says he taught him many things in parables parable is a little story that communicates truth it's it's a brilliant ingenious really means of communication everybody knows this if you're when you're in school and you're if your teacher just gives you facts just talks about you know the truth gives you facts whatever it can get boring really quickly. You tell a story, people are much more inclined to pay attention. Little stories are interesting. We like that, don't we? We, loved, we love to tell stories. We love to hear stories. Everybody loves a good story. So Jesus, understanding this, would, would it's his primary means of communication. Almost all the time when he would teach, he would tell these little stories to communicate truth. So that's what he's doing here. This particular story is about a farmer who's sowing seed in his field. It, it's a little different than um, you might think if you're not a farmer. 
you're a farmer, you might know this, or if you're a, even a gardener or a planter of some sort, planter of seeds, um, you know, you don't just put the seeds one by one in the little thing and cover them up. What he's doing is very much uh, what this guy in the story was doing and what maybe some of you have done in your yard if you're sowing grass seed or something, is you just throw it. You just throw the seed. You just spread it out everywhere. So it goes all over the place is the point. It's not, it's, it, it's not a very targeted operation. He's just launching seed everywhere. And so the seed lands in different soil, in different ground, and some grows up and some doesn't. Some takes root, some doesn't. Some prospers, some doesn't. And that's the essence of the story here. A little further along in the same chapter, and we'll read this passage, Jesus explains to his listeners, he says, let them who have ears, let them hear. And then he goes ahead and explains to them what the story is about. He gives them the meaning of it, and we'll read that passage. Listen to them, then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. So the various soils or conditions that the seed lands on are actually people. The seed here, the, 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 you know, the, the, the seed is the word of God, the message, it's the gospel, it's the good news of Jesus. However you want to frame that, whatever language or vocabulary you like, it's, it's the reality and the truth of who God is. It's going out. It's going out everywhere. It's just being cast, thrown around. People are, are, you know, the word's just going out. People are hearing about it. And it lands in different places. So some of us probably can identify with, in different ways, maybe in our own life or other people's lives, one or more of these seed types. There's uh, the path. Those are people who don't understand the word. And so it says the enemy snatches it from their heart. You may identify with that. There may have been a time in your life when maybe you, you, know, you heard about Jesus, you heard the gospel, whatever, and it just didn't make sense. I don't, that doesn't, I don't need that. It doesn't make, you, know, you just walk away. Boom, gone. That, that might be. Or maybe you've seen other people that have done that. Uh, rocky ground, it's a shallow root. Uh, it, does, it doesn't take hold. It grows up really quickly, but sometimes things get hard, and so you fall away. And maybe you identify with that. Maybe you're someone or you know someone who heard the gospel and, and kind of came into relationship with Christ and got involved in the church, and then uh, it just after a short period of time, it didn't work out, and they bailed, and, th and that was that. That might have happened. Uh, there's thorns, and, and this is the one I think maybe many of us can identify with to different degrees at different times in our life. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to follow God because sometimes, and we touched on this a little bit in our prayer time earlier, uh, life has a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of worries, money, problems, issues, all that stuff, and sometimes that gets so big and so overwhelming, it just kind of chokes the word out of our lives, and sometimes we're able to recover and come back, but sadly, some people aren't, 
They just, it gets choked out, and that's the end of the story for them. And then there's this last category. It's good soil, and that soil uh, yields fruit. It says 100 times what was sown, 60 times, 30 times. It's a lot of fruit. Uh, if you, you've ever seen a plant, we have this ridiculous plum tree in our yard that I don't, I, I don't trim it, I don't feed it, I don't water it. It sits way back in the corner of our property. I never touch it, and every year it gets a bazillion, bazillion plums on it. There's plums. We give plums away. People, we, it's, we just, you know, put signs out. Come and pick plums. You can have as many as you want. And I don't know why, but it just it bears fruit. Lots of, it's a fruitful tree. It's very good. So here's the thing. Very often, this parable um, is taught from the coming from the kind of the perspective of sort of who gets in to the kingdom of God, who gets into heaven, if you will, and who doesn't, who's out on the outside, you know, the other place. Um, I've heard it taught that way numerous times. The, the problem with that is that the parable doesn't say that. That's just a little problem. You know. It doesn't teach that at all. The, it has nothing to do, this, this particular parable has nothing to do with our eternal destination or, you know, where we end up or what happens at the, at the outside of, at the end of our lives. That's never mentioned here. The issue in this parable, the point of the parable, the reality of this parable, everything it's about is fruitfulness. That's which is interesting because I don't think Donna knew what I was talking about today, but her whole, I was, it was a very good word, but I was a little frustrated. You kind of just swiped my whole message. It's about fruitfulness. It's about bearing fruit. Three-quarters of the seed that's sown lands on the rocks, lands on the path, gets mixed with weeds, gets choked out. And what happens? It bears no fruit. Um, the goal the goal, is fruitfulness. One, one, of the, one of the primary goals, it's not the primary or the only goal of the Christian life, but one of the primary goals of the Christian life is fruitfulness. It's making your life count. It, it's really, how do I make my life count? What's the best use of my life? Uh, uh, that is a question I think that we all should reflect on if we haven't. Some of us do. Some of us probably struggle with it a little bit. There's that, that pull, that ebb and that flow, that thing that says, you know, I kind of want to do this with my life, but is that the best use of my life? Is that really the thing that God would want to do in me that would bear the most fruit or not? Making your life count. What's the best use of it? How, how can I be fruitful? I, you know, I'm, I'll be a little bit transparent today. I'm 56. I know, I look younger. At times, I'm kind of reviewing what's the best use of the rest of my life. From this point on, you know, I, I got... You know, when you're 20, 18, 25, or whatever, you got a lot of life ahead, and you might not be thinking of that quite so in such a focused way. At 56, you're going, I only got this much time left. What am I going to do with that? How am I going to make that count? Well, I want you to know that that's the focus of this parable. How am I going to make my life count? What, what, what is it that... I can do that will be the most fruitful. Can I bear 30 times, 60 times, 100 times? What, 
was sown into my heart. I want to look ahead, same chapter, a little, a few verses on. Jesus tells another parable. I'm going to show you something today in the Bible that you've never seen before. I'm throwing down the channels. I'm going to show you something you've never seen before. Maybe Raleigh's seen it. Nobody else. Jesus told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and he said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds up, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds, tie them into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So uh, another parable, a similar situation. Again, we've got our farmer sowing seed, but this time it's a different story. This time, uh, there's the seed that he sows, but then uh, that, that grows, but also, also there's some weed seed out there, and the weeds grow. You ever bought a bag of grass seed? If you, uh, I'm, a, I'm a gardener, so if you look at the grass seed, it'll say, you know, 0.06% weeds. They, they know they can't get all the weed seed out, but they are telling you we've got most of it out. You're not going to get very many weeds if you plant this seed. This farmer has some weed he's growing, but there's also some weeds mixed in that he didn't put there, somebody else put there, and so he's got both growing together. Now, here's the thing that uh, I'm going to tell you that you've never seen before. There is a progression of thought here, and the second parable is actually a continuation of the first parable. All right? They're connected. Let me show you the explanation to this parable. And then the crowd, uh, he, then he left the crowd, he went into the house, his disciples came to him, and he said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out His kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So, here's the deal. In the first parable, the seed is the Word of God. In the second parable, the seed is the people of the kingdom. The people who receive the seed and bared fruit in the first parable become the seed of the second parable. Okay? So the people that sprung up and bared fruit in the first parable, they become the seed in the second parable. That's what it's about. When we become fruitful when we receive the message of God in our hearts and we begin to be transformed into his image and take on his character then we become fruitful and that message goes out and God now uses us to share that message with other people you become the message you've heard of 
the man, the message before, right? Or you've heard people, somebody sent me a quote the other day about our lives are a bigger message, a bigger message than the sermon we preach. We tell more with how we live. That's the reality. That's what this is teaching. You, you are the message. We are the message to the people around us. When we receive the seed in our hearts and it begins to bear fruit and grow, then we become the message. And the seed is spread through us. Your fruitful life becomes the message of God to others. As the word, as the gospel is sown in our hearts and it begins to take root and forms us, we then begin to, I'll you know, say, express what we possess. We have the presence of God in us and then we begin to shine that out beyond us. We, we, we begin to uh, really let others know about the reality and the truth of who God is. We become the message. How many of you have never seen it before? You never have? The parables connected? Is that something new? See? Come on, man. Um, the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. We're the good seed. We're the good seed. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. Every good gardener, farmer, knows that it takes time, right? It takes time for seed to grow. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to cultivate that seed. You have to water it and care for it. I think that was the essence of the word Donna brought this morning, is that when that seed is sown in our hearts, we, we have to then care for it. And that care, really, to me, comes from, from worship. It comes from prayer. It comes from uh, the Word of God. It comes from fellowship. It comes from giving ourselves over from that, that thing of being obedient, following God, of doing what He's done. So we, we care for it. We cultivate it. We nurture it in our hearts. Um, so that it grows. But it's a process. It goes on through our whole lives. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like when my kids were little, they would do science experiments. So they would plant the bean seed in the styrofoam cup. You remember that? And they would every day get up and look. And it wasn't growing yet, and it wasn't growing yet, and it wasn't growing yet. And then after so many days, finally the little green thing would start to come out of the top. (gasps) growing up. It's becoming something beautiful. It's actually growing. So many times though, what would happen is they would water it so much it would just be muddy. It would so much water. So I would have to take a pencil and poke a hole in the bottom of the cup to drain the water out so it would actually grow. Um, but it, my point is it just takes time. It's a process. And here's the thing. It's a process of our lives. If we are faithful, if we are diligent to care for the seed in our heart, care for the seed in our heart, we too, like that little bean seed, will become something beautiful. We really will. We'll spring up and become something beautiful. We'll bear fruit. Um, sometimes, here, here, here's, this is what I really want to say today. Sometimes we give a lot of time and a lot of energy to trying to be fruitful, to doing the right things to involving ourselves in more activities, more ministry, more, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to, I got, you know, I got to, got to, got to. And sometimes we can't and we feel guilty. I feel guilty. I didn't, I'm not, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't get out and help. I didn't go to the outreach. I didn't help hand out food. I didn't take any homeless bags out the back. I didn't do any of that. So we put a lot of energy into trying to be more fruitful when really the best thing we can do is Nurture and cultivate the seed in our heart. Allow that seed that's in our heart to bear fruit. And I'll tell you, this is, this is really what happens. I, I swear to you, on a Bible, I, you know, phone. I swear to you, 
If you do that, if you just cultivate and nurture that seed, you'll become fruitful. You don't have to try. You don't have to do anything. It just becomes natural. It becomes your, your nature. And I don't think it's a second nature. I think it is our nature that comes out. It's our actual nature to really just bear fruit. You'll just bear fruit. You'll be good seed. That's all you have to do. You don't have to try. You don't have to work harder. You don't have to do anything more. Just allow that seed, nurture that seed in your heart, cultivate it, water it, take care of it. It'll grow. It'll blossom. You'll become something so beautiful that people around you will go, hey, I, I, I like that. I want to be like you. What, what is it? You know, anybody, some of you have had this happen to you. People come up and go, what, what is the deal with you? What is that? They just sense it. They just see God in you. What is, it? what is it about you? Why are you like that? Why are you the way you are? Last thing. We're going to close, but i got to tell you this part. Becoming something beautiful. That's my title today. All throughout the Bible, all throughout Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, the church, us guys, you guys, is referenced as the bride of Christ, right? The bride of Christ. That's who we are. One, one thing I have found uh, about brides, consistent, overwhelming characteristic of brides, is that they are very beautiful. Brides are beautiful. I, I've done, uh, I don't do as many weddings as I used to do, but I've done hundreds of weddings. I don't know how many. 300, 400 weddings probably. Maybe more, I don't know. But brides are beautiful. They're all beautiful. There's something about a bride. And there's, there's always that moment. I love it's one of my favorite moments in all of life. When you know the moment. The music plays and everybody stands up, right? And the bride walks into the room. The bride walks into the room. <gasps> And it just stops. I want to tell you a secret. I cheat. Because everybody in the room turns and gives all their attention to the bride. I'm always standing off to the side. And I don't look at the bride. I look at the groom. I want to see the groom's face when he sees the bride. That's worth everything. When the groom sees the bride, man, there's something that happens. And that's how Jesus feels about us. He sees us that way. He sees his church as so beautiful. This is what I have found out. It's amazing. Life is really, really hard sometimes. Life is a pain, and not only our own lives, but just life, you know what I mean? Watch the news. There's 48 wars going on in the world today. Stuff's blowing up. The whole, whole thing's falling apart. The whole freaking world can be going to hell in a handbasket, but I want you to know something. At that moment when the bride walks in and the groom sees the bride, nothing matters. In that moment, it all goes away. And that's God's heart for us. That's God's heart for his church. He sees us. And this was where I kind of wanted to tie into what Kevin was saying a couple weeks ago. He just sees us as so 
amazingly beautiful. And I think if we can just begin to see ourselves that way a little bit more, I think it will change everything. It will just change everything. So why don't you guys stand and the worship team could come back up. I'll try to not make a mess of myself anymore. It's late, we got to close, but I just want to take some time and pray. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come up too, if you guys would, just come up the sides. And uh, I'm going to ask these guys just to play a little bit. We'll worship for a minute or two longer. And I want to invite anybody who would like prayer today to come up. And here's the thing, I know earlier we, I prayed over you. Just carrying burden, carrying stuff in your heart that is too heavy to carry, too much to carry. Maybe just stuff you really don't need to carry at all. You know, let that go. Maybe if you have felt a little bit beat up, maybe, can I just say this? If you felt a little ugly, feel like you don't quite got it, just know how God sees you today and just come up and let somebody pray with you. We just pray, we're family here. We pray together. We, we want to just uh, lift each other up and encourage yourself. So if you just need some encouragement, just come to bed. Just, I need encouragement today. And somebody will pray with you and just ask God to bless you and encourage you. So we'll close with worship. And then if you would like prayer, there's guys over here, there's guys over here. There's girls over here and guys over here. I'm just kidding. You can go wherever you want. They'll all pray for you. They're really nice people.